You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand of praise. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, it's good to be here on a Sunday morning, and I'm so honored and privileged to have the opportunity to minister the Word of God this morning. I want to thank my pastor, Pastor Joel, Sister Doreen, for the awesome privilege, amen, to come this morning and to be able to communicate God's Word to you. I also want to thank my lovely wife, my back-to-back partner. I love her so much, and I'm blessed to have a beautiful woman of God right beside me. And so it's exciting, amen. How many know God's doing exciting things? Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them up this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning on something that I believe is very important. Thank you, worship team. And this morning, I want to talk to you about two individuals that I believe uh, were very important people in Scripture. I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Elijah. And I also want to speak about Elisha. And Elisha wanted something that Elijah had. And what he wanted was he wanted the anointing that Elisha had, that Elijah had. In order to get something, in order for God to do something within our lives, there's always a process. If you want to become a a Bible study leader, you want to become a home director, you want to be a missionary, in anything that we do for God, there's always a process that God will take us through. And sometimes we don't understand that or we have a misconception. We think that we're just able to go into a position. But God has a way of preparing us for what he has for our life. If you'll open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses, verses 1 through 7. When you have it, just give me a loud amen. And the word of God reads like this. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elisha, and they said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away from you your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know, but keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha, and they said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know, but keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Everybody say Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So then the two of them went on. And the 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing at the distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Father, bless your word this Sunday morning. You may go ahead and be seated this beautiful Sunday morning. Now this morning, as I began to look at this portion of text, I began to look at these two men, and I began to look at these two individuals that God was going to use. You ever wanted something that somebody had? 
Well, Elisha wanted what Elijah had, and that was the anointing. Now, I want to talk to you this morning how to prepare yourself for the anointing of God. Remember, I told you just a moment ago that in everything we do, there's always a preparation. There's a preparation for everything that God does within our life. What is the anointing? Many times we, we don't understand or know what the anointing is. Some people think that the anointing is when you get goosebumps or you get chills. But the anointing, beloved, is the power that comes upon a person's life. The word anointing means, it means to rub. Now the shepherds in the east, what they would do is they would put olive oil on the sheep every day. And the reason they would put this olive oil on the sheep, it was to keep the flies and the pestilence and the bugs away from them. Remember the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd and he has anointed my head with oil and my cup runneth over in Psalms 23, 5. Now the oil, beloved, kept the bugs away. And how many know that the anointing of God keeps the enemy away? So anoint means to rub. That's what anoint means. It means to rub. And God Almighty, when he anoints us, he rubs his nature on ours. First of all, I want to say this, that everything you read in the Old Testament is a shadow. And everything you read in the New Testament is substance. The people in the Old Testament, they lived in the shadow of things. We live in the substance of things. Now let me explain to you about a shadow. If you've ever been outside and you're walking and the sunlight hits you, you find that there's a shadow that's cast before you. And that shadow won't move unless the substance moves. So in other words, if you're standing outside and the sun is beaming down on you and you can see your shadow, that shadow will stay right there as long as you stay in one position. But the moment that you begin to move, then the shadow begins to move along with you. So in the Old Testament, the children of Israel lived in the shadow of things. You and I live this morning in the substance of things, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in the substance of things. Now, the Old Testament had the shadow, and you and I, as I mentioned, have Jesus Christ. Now, if they had the power in the shadow, imagine how much more power you and I have this morning in the substance of things. Elijah the prophet walked in the shadow of things. And today the Bible tells us that these were written, beloved, for our examples. Everything in the Bible is written so that we can know and live a good Christian life. First of all, Elisha knew something that every one of us here this morning must know before you and I can receive anything or the anointing from God. Elisha also knew this. He knew that association was very important. Elisha also knew that associating with the anointed people would bring the anointing upon his life one day. Never associate with the wrong people or the wrong crowd. If you associate, beloved, with the wrong crowd, sometimes it has a tendency to rub off on us. Make sure you associate with those people that love Jesus, those people that are on fire for God, those people that say, man, I can't wait to get to church, those people that say, man, I got to go get my miracle, I got to go get my blessing. Those are the kind of people you want to hang around with, people that are exciting for Jesus. And sometimes we see people, how many know that are depressed or they're sad? You ever, you ever see people like that? They never have a good day. You look at them and they look like everything, you know, they tell you their problem. And if you're not careful, before you know it, you begin to feel like that as well. You ever see somebody say, ah, my back hurts. And God, next thing you know, you start going, man, I, you know, I, got a little, I got a little kink here too. 
You know, we start wondering sometimes. We start, you know, what they say. We start feeling it. Remember, in the Bible, there was a story. There was a story of a woman, and that one day that her son had passed away. And she took her son, and she laid him in the chambers of the prophet named Elisha, Elijah. And she went to the prophet. On her way, her husband had told her in 2 Kings chapter 5 that her son was, she was going to have a son. And it came to pass. And the Bible tells us that while the boy was out in the field, that the boy ended up dying, and he came to his father or out to the farm guys and told him, listen, my head, my head. And he went and he died. And so the mother picked up her child and she was on her way and her son was dead and she was on her way to take him to the man of God. And when there was a servant by the name of Gehazi who came out and was going to try to talk to her, but she said everything was okay. And it caught my attention because when she said that everything was okay, I began to think about how you know, uh, he, was, he had passed away, he was dead, and yet all of a sudden she says, he's okay. And I began to think about this, and what she began to do was she began to believe by faith, she began to speak that he was going to be all right. And the story goes on to say that she goes on and takes him and lays him in the chamber of the man of God, and her son comes back to life. I don't care this morning what the devil throws at you. You may be going through the worst storm in your life, but I want you to know that no arsenal that the enemy has can defeat you. Can I hear you say amen? The Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Elisha knew that association would bring the anointing on him one of, these, one of those days. So to associate with Elijah the prophet, he said he saw the power of God on Elijah. And he said one day, that anointing is going to rub off on me. I'm going to be near Elijah, and I'm going to follow Elijah, and I'm going to watch Elijah. Now, the Word of God declares that they went to four locations where we read. The Bible says that they went to four places. Now, these places that they went to are very significant because in every one of these places, there was something that Elisha learned from Elijah. Now, in 2 Kings 2.1, we find that the Bible says that they went to this place called Gilgal. Why was it so important that they went to Gilgal? Why did they go there? What was the reason? And why did they have to go to Gilgal? Why did the Holy Spirit see the importance of putting the word Gilgal in the word of God this morning? Like I said earlier, remember, it's a shadow. And I want to say this, that there's nothing meaningless in the word of God. If God puts something there, it's there for a reason. Why Gilgal, beloved? When you study the Bible or the Word of God, we see what happened in Gilgal. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Real quickly, I want to show you something about what happened in Gilgal. Elisha and Elisha had to go to Gilgal before the anointing of God could come upon Elisha's life. He had to go, and he had to go through Gilgal. Now look with me at and Joshua, are you there? Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Remember, when you start associating with the right people, God will take you to your Gilgal. Look at verse 9, and verses 11, verses 9 through 12 in chapter 5. It says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled my reproach from Egypt. From you, 
Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal on this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month of twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after of the Passover, unleavened bread, perched grain, and on the very same day. And the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, so they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So we find that the Bible declares that the people of Israel had came out of Egypt. Now you got to remember that Elijah was taking Elisha to Gilgal, and a number of things happened to them. Now the Bible says Egypt was behind the children of Israel. If you remember the children of Israel, the Bible records that they cried out for 400 and some years. And they needed a deliverer. They needed somebody that was going to set them free. And God sent them a man by the name of Moses. And Moses came, and he began to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. They began to sing songs like, probably, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. And the Bible records that they took all the silver and all the gold. So they were on their way of their exodus, leaving Egypt after making straws with bricks. You and I at one time were in Egypt. Can I hear you say amen? Egypt was behind them. They had left Egypt. They had left where they were at. And the Bible says that while they were there in, in Egypt, that God took them out. And they were there in the wilderness. And that God fed them with manna from heaven. And the Bible says and records that they followed a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The Bible says that the cloud and the fire appeared after they had crossed the Red Sea. Now for 40 years, the cloud had moved with them. Can you imagine the cloud that God led them per day and fire by night? So when the children of Israel were leaving... And they were set free, just like you and I. God began to do something in their life. And sometimes it's hard to understand when God begins to do something within a person's life. For 40 years, they were under this cloud. It moved once a year. And if the people of Israel didn't follow the cloud, the Bible records that the Amalekites would come and kill them. So they had to stay under this cloud. They had to stay under the fire. The Amalekites were the enemy. And whenever you find yourself out of the will of God or out of alignment with God, you can rest assured that you're going to go through some trials and some tribulations. The enemy's going to be trying to knock at your door and try to take your joy and rob everything that God has poured into your life. I'm here to bring you good news this morning to tell you that the devil can't take your ministry. The devil can't take your joy. The devil can't take your children. The devil can't take your husband. The devil can't take your wife. Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? The Amalekites were the enemy. And as long as they stayed under the cloud, and as long as they stayed under the fire, everything was okay. But the moment they walked out from under it, the enemy came. You and I have to understand something. The moment we distract ourselves and we come out from under that anointing or we come out from the cloud and the fire, the enemy is there. What happened? Not only did the manna cease, the Bible said, after they crossed the Red Sea. We have no mention of the cloud or the fire or the manna. The fire were gone in Gilgal and the people of Israel now had to do something for 40 years they had to walk by sight at Gilgal they had to begin to walk 
by faith. You know what Gilgal was, beloved? It was a place that God brings you to where you have to live by faith. No longer were the children of Israel seeing the cloud and the manna or the fire. Now they had to live by faith. And what God was doing is God didn't want them to, didn't want to take the cloud and the fire away from them. He just wanted to switch the locations. He wanted to take the cloud and the fire away from their eyes and put it in their heart. In other words, he was trying to tell them, listen, I got you out of Egypt. You crossed the Red Sea. You saw the parting of the Red Sea. And now you're here. And I'm leading you by a pillar of fire, by a cloud by day. I'm feeding you with manna from heaven. Forty years, not the soles of your shoes worn out. I've been taking care of you up to this point because I'm leading you and guiding you. And I'm holding your hand. And I'm walking through everything with you so that you can understand. But there's going to come a time now where things got to shift. There's going to come a time where things got to change. No longer are you going to be able to walk by what you see you're going to have to walk by faith come on somebody now faith is very difficult to understand because the bible talks about faith in the book of hebrews the bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen see the lord wanted to switch locations he didn't want to take the cloud and the fire but he wanted to take the faith that was in their heart this is the reasons when israel left egypt there was no ark that followed them the only ark they, they took with them when they left Egypt were the bones of Joseph. That's all they took. They took the bones of Joseph in Exodus 13, 19. It's written there. The Bible says that when they left Egypt, they had a box of dead bones. But when they entered, hear me, the promised land, we hear no mention of that box with the dead bones. We have the mention of the box of the ark of God that the priest carried and entered into the promised land. See, when they left Egypt, they saw dead bones. In the promised land, they saw the glory of God. God Almighty was telling them this. When you left Egypt, you saw death. When you came into the promised land, you saw life. See, when we were lost, we were seeing death. How many know what I'm talking about? See, I'm grateful this morning for the, 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 what God's done in my life. He's delivered me from substance abuse and all kinds of incarcerations and many things and vices that I had in my life. And many of you sitting here, you were in your own Egypt as well. And God delivered you out of many different vices or habits that you may have had. And now God is saying, listen, I'm taking you out of your Egypt and I'm going to take you in to a promised land. I'm going to take you into your calling. I'm going to take you into that place that I promised you. Are you following me this morning? No longer do you need the cloud. No longer do you need the fire. Faith was... The first thing that God introduced the children of Israel to. Elisha was brought to Gilgal. Nobody can get the anointing or get to where you want to get by walking by sight. You have to begin living by faith. If you want to see God move in our lives, then we got to walk by faith. Don't expect God to anoint us or use our lives if we walk by sight. We got to begin to believe by faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we were 5.7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, let me show you what happens when faith comes into your life. Things take place. Elisha came to Gilgal and God was saying, he was saying this, you got to live by faith, Elisha. 
If you want the anointing, you're going to have to stop living by, 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 by yourself and what you see. But you're going, to have, you're going to see things that are going to be unbelievable. You're going to have to have miracle eyesight. You're going to have to begin to see things not the way the natural people see it, not the way that the man sees it, but you're going to have to see it the way that God shows you it. See, my friend, you can hope for something all day long. You can hope to be a good pastor, a good leader. You can hope to be a good mother, a good husband. You can hope all you want. Hope will just doesn't take you anywhere. But faith has legs. See, when you have faith, my friend, you begin to walk by, by faith. You begin to see things. You begin to walk around saying, one day... One day I'm going to be a pastor. One day I'm going to be a missionary. One day I'm going to be that husband, that wife. One day I'm going to graduate the home. One day I'm going to do great things for God. Because when you begin to put it into faith, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things. So for the evidence of things not seen. I'm a blessed man today. I prayed and prayed and prayed for, for my family to get saved. And today I'm proud to say that my son is in the D home. Come on, somebody. It took a little while and he had his bumps in the road. But I'm here to tell you something. That God is faithful as long as we're faithful to God. There's some of you sitting here this morning. You're waiting for your breakthrough. You're waiting for your miracle. You're waiting for your children. You're waiting for that one that's lost and bound. And you've been praying for him. I got good news for you today. You keep looking through the lens of faith. You keep believing God. You keep trusting God. And one day you're going to see them serving God. One day you're going to see your grandchildren serving God. One day you're going to see yourself behind the pulpit preaching. One day you're going to see yourself running the D home. One day you're going to find yourself across the world in another continent one day you're gonna walk this platform you're gonna get your diploma because you stood firm for one year in the victory outreach home my friend I'm here to tell you God is a faithful God we walk by faith and not by sight Elisha came to Gilgal you and I must live by faith we have to live by faith Faith is a substance, like I told you, of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first thing you'll see in your life when God begins to use you, my friend, is you'll begin to see faith. Faith produces evidence. Let me move real quickly. The second place God had to take Elisha, he had to take him to this place. First he took him there to, to, to uh, Gilgal. Now he had to take him to this place called Bethel. What happened in Bethel? Why did God take him to Gilgal? Well, Gilgal was a place of faith. But now why did he have to take him to Bethel? He took him to Bethel, my friend. Because listen, in Bethel, this is where Jacob died and Israel lived. Go with me to Genesis 32:22 real quickly. Genesis 32:22. He took him there for a reason. What happened in Bethel? Look there at Genesis Chapter 32, verse 22. And the word reads like this. And he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, set them over the brook, and set over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. In other words... Jacob, or Elijah, had to take Elisha, not only there to Gilgal, but he had to take him to Bethel. What happened in Bethel? Bethel was the place where Jacob died and Israel lived. 
Jacob was a man with a lot of personal problems if you study Jacob. Jacob was a man who, who deceived his, his, his father. He was a conniver. He was a manipulator. But God met him and he wrestled with him. He wrestled with him. God wrestled with him to kill his flesh. Not only do you got to live by faith, but there comes a time, beloved, where God's going to kill your flesh. And the only way your flesh dies, how many know it fly, it, 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 it's killed in prayer? And so Jacob was there. And so Elijah took Elisha there. He took him there to, to Gilgal he, or to, to Bethel. He took him to that place because he was showing him, listen, here in Bethel, this is where you're going to die, Elisha. This is where your flesh is going to die. Let me tell you how you kill the flesh. You kill the flesh through prayer. You kill the flesh through prayer. And Jacob was there and he was wrestling with God. And he said, I'm not leaving until you bless me. My question is, is that he got close enough so God could bless him. Let me tell you what happens when you, when you stop praying and having a relationship with God. We disalign ourselves. And many times we find ourselves, you know, out of alignment with God. And God has to put us back on track. And sometimes we don't like when we pray because God shows us things. He holds that big old mirror, I always say, up to us that shows us all our faults. You know, those ten-time mirrors. You women, you sisters know what I'm talking about. And he puts them up there and he says, you need to change that. You need to change this. And a lot of times, you know, we don't want to change. And Elijah was telling Elisha, listen, if you want the anointing, if you want the ministry, then you're going to have to change not only your faith and believe me, but you're going to have to change. And you're going to have to understand something. You're going to have to die to yourself. And the only way you're going to die to yourself is through, is through prayer, is through wrestling with God. And when you pray, that's what we do. We wrestle with God. And God shows us things. And he says, you got to change that. You can't be a, you know, a, a, a shallow Christian. You can't be you know, a zipping saint. You can't be a smoking prophet. You can't be doing certain things. And he begins to crucify our flesh. See, because we can put on a good show. We can put on a good act. You can put on your best Sunday gear and your Sunday suit, but yet there could be something wrong inside of your life this morning. Nobody knows it. The preacher don't know it. The leader don't know it. But you and I both know that there could be something wrong inside of your life. So he was telling them, this is where the flesh dies. See, when you begin to pray and you begin to wrestle with God, the Bible said something happened. He was Jacob. He said, but when he got close to God, there's something that happens to an individual when they get close to God. When he got close to God, not only did God just wrestle with him, but he changed his name from Jacob. He changed it to Israel, my friend. And let me say this. He changed his name. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, if be in Christ, behold, all things are new, all the old is passed away. In other words, God not only did that, the Bible says that he popped his hip out of socket so that tells me he's no longer walking the old life he's not living the old life God did something in his life and now he's walking he's not Jacob anymore he's walking like Israel now but he has a limp in his side so that he can remember that it was God that wrestled with him that it was God that delivered him that it was God that gave him his breakthrough that it was God that saved his family that it was God that saved him see some of us you see, his hip was pulled out of socket, and he was walking a new life. Some of us want to still walk like it's 1999. Prince said that. Some of us still want to live like it's 2005. We still want to live like it's 2016, and we're getting ready to end 2017 and step into 2018. See, Jacob 
was a man with a lot of personal problems. And Elijah knew that, Elisha, if you want the mantle, if you want it, then you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to die to yourself. One of the hardest things is to walk by faith and to die to yourself. Because, listen, we like what we do. Sin is fun, the Bible says. There's pleasure in it for a season, but to the end is destruction and death. The devil will never, ever show you, beloved, you in the home that want to leave. He'll never show you the flip side of the coin. I remember I graduated the home. I was in the home. I love the home. But I'm here to tell you this morning, my friend, the reason you're getting attacked, the reason you're going through what you're going through, you're going through it because the devil says, I come to kill, steal, and to destroy. Listen, it's not about getting mad at your children. It's not about getting mad at your spouse. It's not about getting mad at that person. It's about getting on our face before God and saying, God, show me what it is that's happening so that God can show you. See, when God began to deal with, he took him to Bethel because he told him, listen, you got to die to your flesh. Jacob didn't want to let go. He said, God, I'm going to hold you. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on to you as long as I can. But all of a sudden, God said, no. He got close enough to God. See, when you get close enough to God, this old shell begins to die. This old shell begins to begin to dissolve. All of a sudden, things like love and compassion, all of a sudden, things begin to rise within our lives that we never, some of us used to do, kindness. See, if you were like me, I came out of a life of, of, of many vices, and I was incarcerated. But the thing is this, is I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to do all these things. It was foreign to me. And when I came to Christianity, all of a sudden, I wanted to do things from God. I knew that God called me to preach a long time ago. I knew when I was sitting in the home back in 1985 that it was in the home where God spoke to my life and said, one day, Bobby, you're going to be an evangelist and you're going to be preaching around the world. And I remember sitting there not even knowing what it was. But one day I said, I'm going to be an evangelist. I went into the home, my friend, and I told the guys because I received that word and I put my flesh under subject. I said, one day I'm going to be an evangelist. And I started telling them, you're going to be a, a men's home director. You're going, to have a, you're going to be a pastor and I'm going to preach in your church and I'm going to be your first pastor. I can tell you this my friend they looked at me like I was crazy my friend but when you begin to walk by faith when you begin to put this flesh there's something that happens to an individual their their lingo begins to change they begin to say things like praise the Lord I'm going to serve God I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and through that my friend I thank God that through the years I had the privilege to go and become my friend and preach be an evangelist and preach in their churches because God is faithful and then he took him to another place. The Bible says he took him to Jericho. Jericho, my friend, there in 2 Kings 2.4. The Bible says that Elisha took Elijah, or Elijah took Elisha to Jericho. He took him there because what was Jericho? Jericho was a place of warfare. It was a place where Joshua marched around the wall seven times and they came crumbling down. In other words, he was telling them, not only, listen, do you have to live by faith, not only do you got to crucify the flesh, but you're going to have some battles. And these battles are going to come, Elisha. And when they come, you're going to have to stand, my friend. Let me tell you, when you're in a battle, my friend, the Bible says that we put on the full armor of God. We put on our own armor, the helmet of salvation, the blessed plate of righteousness, all this different armor we put it on. Let me say this to you. The armor that I got and that I wear will not fit Pastor James. And Pastor James' armor will not fit me. Either you have your armor on or you don't have your armor on. And he was trying to teach he was trying to teach Elisha something. You're going to have some battles if you want this anointing. You're going to have to crucify that flesh. You're going to have to walk by faith. But also you're going to have to understand that there's going to be some battles that you're going to have to fight, Elisha. 
if you want this call. You're going to have to learn to fight it. You're going to have to learn to fight. Jericho. Seven times. Can you imagine? Somebody tells you, go walk around that car seven times and it's going to be yours. Don't go do it. Don't go walk around my car. No, I'm just kidding. Right? That's faith. When your pastor says, stay in the home, and one day God's going to use you and, and make you a great man of God, and you're going to become a pastor and evangelist, don't worry. You'll never have to see a prison door again. You'll never have to go in. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. But you got to fight. you got to fight the good fight of faith. That's why Paul told Timothy. That's why, why do you think all, a lot of our acronyms are, 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 are clothed in strength and dignity for the women? You know, we have a armed and dangerous, code red. We have all these different terms. A lot of them are military terms. Why? Because we're in a battle. We're in a fight, my friend. And we're in a fight. And, and it's not going to be easy. The, 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 the devil's not going to let God just come and give you what you want to do. He's not going to just come and say, okay, you can be that worship leader. You can be that, that pastor. You can be that good husband, good wife. You can just, no, 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 no. You're going to have to fight for it. Fight the good fight of faith. He was teaching him that you're going to have to fight. Elisha, you're going to have to fight. Not only did he take him there to fight. Not only did he have to fight there, but he also, it was there where he had to take him to the Jordan. Now, why did he see fit to take him to the Jordan? Why did he see fit to take him there? Because the Jordan was a place of vision. The Jordan was a place where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens opened. And he said, this is in whom my son, who I'm well pleased. It was in the Jordan where Naaman had to go and dip himself seven times. He didn't want to dip himself. He didn't want to go, the Bible records. Because Naaman was a man of stature. He was, he was a man you could say that was too good for that. Because the rivers of Damascus were the most filthiest rivers. He probably said, why couldn't I go to, or, or why, could, why do I got to go to the Jordan? It's the most filthiest river. Why can't I go to the river of Damascus? It's a cleaner river. And sometimes we want the easy way out. And sometimes we want the, the easy way. But the man of God came and told him, listen, if you want your miracle, then you're going to have to go where you don't want to go. You're going to have to do what you don't like to do. You're going to be called on to move the chairs. You're going to be called on to clean the bathroom. You're going to be called on to be out in the parking lot. You're going to be called to be out there when speakers come in. You're going to be called to be in children's church. You're going to be called. It's when you do what you don't like to do. It's when you do it is when God begins to move in your life. Elisha was there. He didn't know he was there uh, or, or Naaman and he was there. And he said, you got to dip yourself if you want to get rid of this leprosy. If you want to get rid of that disease you have, you got to go and dip yourself. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a man that was decorated with medals? He's there and he goes to the Jordan River and he has all his soldiers and he has all his camaraderie. And they're probably looking and saying, is he really going to go in the home? Is she really going to do what they say? Is he really going to stay in the home and graduate? Oh, come on, you're kidding me. Is he really, or is he really going to go dip? And people were probably laughing at Naaman. They were looking at Naaman. And they were probably saying, ah, what a fool Naaman is to go into that river. It's a filthy river. Can't they just wave their hand over him and he could be healed and changed? Can't they do a supernatural miracle? Yes, they could have. But God had to do something inside of Naaman's life. And sometimes, my friend, God is going to have to do something in my life and in your life before we can receive our miracle. And so Naaman gets there. Can you imagine? And he goes, and the Bible records that he had to dip himself seven times, not just once. And there goes Naaman, and he dips himself one time, one, two. 
And the Bible says that that Jordan River was full of thicket. But I'm talking to you about vision. That's why Elijah had to take Elisha to the Jordan River. You see, vision, vision was there. And all of a sudden, the people were looking. They didn't believe and probably thought, this guy's wasting his time. People don't understand why you go to Veti. People don't understand why you go in a life group. People don't understand why you want to build a strong base. People don't know why you, you do what you do. People don't understand why we do what we do. But when you hear from God and when you get a message from God, there's something that happens inside of you supernatural. There's something inside that no man or no nothing can snuff it out because you know that it's from God. You get up in your morning and you pray and you believe God. And if it don't happen that day, you get up another day and you pray and you believe God. If it don't happen that day, you get up the next day, you pray and you believe that it's going to happen that day. Five, six, he comes up out of that filthy river and all of a sudden... All that soot is on him. Can you imagine? And the seventh time, they're laughing, they're mocking. The seventh time he comes up, and the Bible says that his flesh was restored like that of a young, young boy. Can you imagine? <laughs> he probably said, whoo. And now wait. It wasn't just old wrinkly skin. He was old in age, up in age. He said, like a brand new baby. He probably said, Ooh. Can you imagine coming out the seventh time saying, wow, look at me now, guys. Look at me now. See, when you're obedient to God's word, something begins to happen within your life. Obey is better than sacrifice. You can do all kinds of things and do all kinds of, of, of ministry. And that, but when you obey God, then God begins to move. And he told Elisha, he said, Elisha, in closing, he says, if you want this anointing or you want this miracle, He says, then, you're going to have to walk by faith. Faith. So I'm taking you to Gilgal. And in Gilgal, you're going to learn. Because now, the cloud, the fire are gone. God didn't want to take it. He wanted to change the location from here to here. See, you can think all day long, but what God's trying to do to us, we hear our pastor's heart that he wants to build it. We're going to be a strong base, and I believe that with all my heart. Our pastor says that we're going to be a launching pad. We're going to send people all over the world. How many believe that this morning? Come on, somebody. I believe that with all my heart that we're going to be that. And while he was there, he told him this. He says, no longer, but you got to change. you got to believe. you got to believe. Not only did he take him there to Gilgal, he took him to Bethel. He took him to Bethel. He took him to that place there in Bethel where God began to do more things in his life. He took him to that place there where God was going to begin to crucify his flesh. So no longer do you need faith, but that 
flesh gots to die. The old man's got to die. The flesh gots to die. And then he took him to Jericho. Jericho was a place of warfare. It was a place where he was telling them, listen, that fasting you're doing, that praying that you're doing, that waking up in the middle of the night and praying and asking God to rescue your children. You see, I don't know if, if you were a quitter in the world, but I know there's some sisters in here that used to put their hair in a chongo. And they would fight. How many know what I'm talking about? They would get that chongo and put it on. And they would fight. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. They would, no, I'm just kidding. But they knew how to fight. And now God's saying this. He's saying, that same tenacity you have, that same fight that you had for the enemy, now turn it around for God. And begin to fight for what you believe for, mama. Begin to fight for your children. Begin to fight. Some of us guys, oh, I walk the yard. Come on, somebody. Right. Oh, yeah. All day long. But when the devil comes and goes, boo! We want to leave. We want to run. I want to leave the home because I don't like what they gave me to eat. Can I give you real this morning? I don't like the way that life group leader talked to me. I don't like the way that sister looked at me. Well, she wasn't looking to you. She was looking at the emblem. Devil's a liar, right? The devil comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. You think he's going to let us continue to build a base without a fight? We need soldiers. We need men and women and gang warriors that are going to raise up their sleeves and they're going to fight the good fight of faith. We need men and women that are going to stand in the ranks behind our, our leaders, behind Pastor Joe and Sister Doreen. And say, you know what, we're in this together. We're going to fight the good fight. And we're going to get this battle. And this is going to be a base church. And we're going to launch out to the north and the west and the east and the south. We're going to launch out. Then the vision. Every head bowed, every eye closed, spirit of God moving in this place. Maybe it was one thing that was said. One tidbit. And you say, you know what, Brother Bobby? I need that faith. That faith that moves mountains. I used to believe God for everything, but now I, it's kind of hard. Maybe your flesh is fighting you. And maybe you say your flesh is getting the better part of you. 
Say, preacher, pray for me. Pray for my faith. Pray that I crucify my flesh. You've been in a battle. You've been struggling. It seems every time you get up to take a breath, the devil pushes you right back down. Maybe you lost the vision. Maybe you say, preacher, it's been 20 years and I'm still sitting in the same place. It's still been 15 years. It's still been whatever. And my wife's still the same. My husband's still the same. My children are still the same. God never said he was going to do it today or yesterday or tomorrow. But I'm here to let you know that God's timing is always perfect. And there's some of you maybe sitting here say, Brother Bobby, you know what? I just need a touch from God. I need you to pray for me this morning because you know why? I, I've got some issues. I'm in the home. I got some issues. I'm in the home. I feel like quitting. I feel like leaving. I feel like giving up my ministry. I feel like just throwing in the towel. Nobody knows it. I'm even thinking about in 2017 that I'm going to go, or 2018, that I'm going to go ahead and just step back out of ministry and I'm just going to put it on cruise control because you ever hear that voice? With every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Brother Bobby, I want you to pray for me real quickly. That's you. I want you to slip up your hand if you're in this place. God bless you over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. You can put them down. You're here this morning, and maybe you're not right with God. Maybe you don't know Jesus. And Jesus has been knocking at your door. You didn't come here by mistake. You came here because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand and say, Preacher, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to recommit my life to God. God bless you over there. Anybody else? God bless you back there. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me this beautiful Sunday morning. Now, Elisha wanted something Elijah had. And he had to go after it. He could have said, you know what, I ain't going. You want to take me where, there, what, you want to do this? But if you really, this morning, say, you know what? I'm not going to let the devil have a foothold. I need that faith that you're talking about. I need to fight like, like David fought. I need, I need to crucify this flesh. If you raised your hand and you said, I need salvation, I'm going to ask you to step out of your chair. Those of you that said, I need Jesus in my life, first of all, I want you to come on up. And I just want you to come up here real quickly. You said, I want salvation. I want salvation this morning. Come on, clap your hands. Some, some of these guys over here are coming. This young man over here is coming. Come on, clap your hand. This young lady's coming up. Come on, somebody, people want change. This is the greatest gift we could give on Christmas. Anybody else? You say, I want to give, I want Jesus in my life. You're here this morning. You raised your hand. You said, I want prayer this morning. Preacher, I need prayer. I want to ask you to step out of your chair as we sing this song real quickly. And I want to ask you to step out of your chair. If God spoke to you, I want you to step out of your chair. And you say, I need prayer. I need to have that faith. I need God to do something in my life.